Welcome to another edition of Viking Voices. We've got a special NFL Viking football edition of Viking Voices today with special guest Matt Overton. Matt, thanks for joining us. And from Nashville, you're getting ready for a big wild card playoff game this this weekend against the Ravens at home. Um, man, we are excited to talk to you. We got a little list of things to go over, but uh, how are things going? How are things going in Nashville for you? And uh, how exciting is it to be in the playoffs? Man, I, it's it's beyond words. Um how excited I am, you know, just uh, a year ago, I was at home sitting on the couch, you know, you know, hoping to get a call to be on a team. And, you know, here I am, you know, preparing to, to go into the playoffs again. Um, after a, a six year drought of not being in the playoffs, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to uh, experience the, the feeling and excitement of what the playoffs really mean. Um, it, it just, uh, it's really special you now to be on my third team and, um, you know, experiencing something new with a new group of guys. It's, it's a lot of fun. So um, definitely not taking it for granted because I know how hard it is to get to the postseason and uh, especially winning in a, a division. Um, you know, nothing's ever guaranteed. And, and, and just uh, it's been a thrill being here um, just the way the year has gone for me personally. But uh, to be a part of this team has been really exciting and, uh, it's a lot of joy uh, playing football again. A little bit of background for our listeners. You know, Matt, you were a long time, um, long snapper for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, then you kind of got on with the Jacksonville Jaguars and believe you had a little bit of a training camp or a tryout with the Chargers. But um, week six this year, you're living in Nashville. Well, kind of run us through the Titans needed a, a, a kind of some depth at long snapper. They called you with, and all of a sudden now you're, uh, you're in the AFC wildcard game. Yeah. Um, yeah. So going into this year, you know, with, uh, with COVID and everything being kind of pushed back and everything on zoom, you know, um, the NFL really had to kind of follow the model that, you know, baseball did a little bit NBA and, you know, kind of how they had their bubble system. Well, you know, it's a little more difficult when you have a 60 man roster as opposed to, you know, 20 to 25 guys or whatever it may be. And, and we knew realistically going into if, if football was going to happen, that um, the bubble idea probably wasn't going to work or the players just weren't going to agree to do that. So there was a lot of discussion going into the season, like how is it going to work? And so part of that was talking about, you know, how to expand rosters and, and how to, um, you know, with the, COVID protocols, how to get players ready to go um, if, you know, teams need guys due to injury or whatever the, the case may be or, or guys testing positive for COVID. So I knew even though I wasn't signed earlier this year going into the offseason, I, I had a pretty um, strong feeling that I'd get an opportunity just because they've expanded practice squad rosters and, and expanded it um, to veteran players like myself. So typically in a normal season, you know, I, I wouldn't be um, practice squad eligible just because I have too much experience. So I was pretty confident that, um, you know, with the restrictions of COVID, if you tested positive that your guy would have to potentially sit out a game or two. So teams would then, you know, cover their bases by signing more specialists, more, more quarterbacks, whatever it may be. And so it just so happened that, um, you know, the uh, the Titans were one of the first teams that really started covering their bases. They got hit with a, uh, um, you know, uh, several positive tests early in the year. 
And um, I just so happened, you know, I was in, in, in my wife and I lived in India at the time, but we were in the process of moving to Nashville. And, um, you know, the Titans called and they wanted to bring me in for a workout. And, and uh, so I had to enter the, the COVID protocol. Uh, I was probably here for just shy of two weeks of just being in testing. Um, and so in order for me to even step foot on the, on the field to, to do a workout for the team, I had a, um, I had to pass six negative tests. Wow. And so I was already here. They felt comfortable with me living at home. They didn't need to house me anywhere in a hotel or anything like that. So I just, I, I stayed patient. Um, you know, I stayed in shape. I stayed ready. And um, I think, you know, early, I don't know, week four, week five or whatever it may be, they, uh, they signed me to their practice squad. And so for me, um, it was a completely new role because I'd never been on the practice squad. And here I am in my ninth year in the league and, and, um, you know, serving the team in a different way. You know, I wasn't playing, but I was practicing and, and just staying prepared for if my name were called. And so, um, again, with, with COVID protocol, like I was, I was um, essentially uh, their safety net for the team. So if their long snapper tested positive for COVID, that I would be the guy that they would, they would have play. Uh, so with that being said, I was away from the team. So I was on my own schedule. So I was I was on the team, but it really didn't feel like it um, just because I was practicing literally by myself or with a couple other guys like they kept they kept me, the practice squad kicker, practice squad uh, punter and the practice squad quarterback all on the same. The four of us would go out and practice and stay away from the team, because if we tested positive, we don't want to, you know, uh, you know, trace that to the team. So. It, it, was, it was very strange, very weird for me to get adjusted to, but I was so blessed just to be on, on a team. And, and lo and behold, the team were, you know, it was considered home. So I know my wife and I going into this year, um, we were just uh, talking about what, you know, if, if we could have our way, what would football be like uh, or what it would look like? And I said, you know, it'd be great to either be on the Colts again, the Titans or go back to either Seattle or the 49ers or something like that, because that'd be home for me as well. And lo and behold, you know, God bless us with the opportunity. I I worked out for the Colts and I I worked out for the Titans and um, got, got on the practice squad here in in Tennessee. Um, And then, gosh, it's gone by so fast. I can't even remember week nine or something like that. As I get activated to the uh, active roster, um, and, and have been playing since. Um, and so it's, it's been great to be a part of this team. I'm familiar with a few guys. Um, Steven Goskowski, our kicker, have some experience with him. Um, and there's a few guys that I played with uh, that were either on the Jaguars or uh, on the Colts. Or um, even when I played in the United Football League 10 years ago, Jim Hazlitt, our linebackers coach here, he was my head coach for that team. So uh, it's it's crazy how small the the football fraternity really is, and so um, it, it's just been awesome being back on the field and and uh, being a part of a winning team and um, being being on my third AFC South team and um, winning my third AFC South championship with a different team. So it's it's been pretty cool and um, it, it's pretty special to be playing in January when half the league is already packed up and going home and and we're still preparing and, and ready to play this weekend. Yeah, so 100, 100, 100 games under your belt when you entered this year, you had 109. You were a true veteran, so kind of stepping into a new, you know, a new scenario where you're out on your own and then you finally get the call because I imagine a lot of long snappers are not on 
practice squads and, and under a normal year, correct? Uh, on a normal year, maybe one team would have that, um, but typically no. Well, it's awesome that you got that opportunity. I got to talk to you about Sunday's game. Uh, I saw all the highlights and uh, game-winning field goal, uh, the clinch the division at the Texans. Um, you're a big part of that. You know, you, it was an interesting backstory that uh, you had a kicker that was making his NFL debut, and he went five for five on PATs and two for two on field goals. But, you you know, you have a big part in that. In the, that uh, and what was that feeling like when you delivered that snap perfectly and you kind of pushed ahead and you saw that ball clank off the off the upright and in? Well, it had to be one of the coolest moments of your career, and you've been part of a lot of cool things. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely special. So, you know, to kind of dive into the scenario a little bit deeper, you know, with um, Sam Sloman, our, our kicker, he was with the Rams earlier this year and then uh, was on the street and he got put on our practice squad. So again, you know, the Titans have been a team that were, you know, they're covering their bases with, you know, having a practice squad snapper, kicker and punter on the team. And so um, Sloman was on, has been on our practice squad for about, I don't know, five or six weeks or so. And again, but I've never worked with him, you know? And so when Goskowski, our starting kicker got uh, a positive test for COVID, that's an automatic for people that don't realize when a guy tests positive, that's an automatic 10-day quarantine. So Goskowski's out regardless. And so for teams that don't have a kicker or a quarterback for that, it's somebody to step in to that role, they have to find somebody either on another team um, or if you bring a guy off, off the, the street as a free agent, they have to – it takes them six days to get, to get through the protocol and onto a team. So – if you lose a guy midweek, you, you don't have anybody to fill unless you have a practice squad guy. So again, that goes into, um, you know, with Sloman, we, well, it was weird too, because our, our kicker tested positive, but then our punter was traced as a close contact. So they sent him home for the week just to be safe. So I worked with the practice squad punter who I have uh, some, some uh, history with already Trevor Daniels. He played a few games this year. And, um, and then uh, Sam Sloman, the kicker. So this is my first time working with Sam, but we're working with a different holder. So we weren't able to work with uh, uh, Brett Kern, who is the, the punter holder. And uh, we didn't get to work until walk through Saturday morning and then pregame on Sunday. And, you know, people don't, they kind of struggle. Oh, it's just a hold. Well, there's a lot of, you know, it's timing. There's, there's where the ball spotted and, and how it's held and the lean of the ball. There's a lot that goes into the dynamics of the operation of a, of a field goal, a snap, kick, and hold. And so uh, we really the, – the main work we got was pregame before the game, you know. That was kind of when, you know, you get the, the pregame juices going and you're trying to get your timing right. But throughout the game, you know, um, we just kept working on the sideline together, you know, keeping each other encouraged. And there was a the moment in time late in that game where we were down and um, we just, just kept telling Sam, hey, man, stay ready, stay ready, stay ready, you know, stay in this game. Um, it's far from over. Um, and, you know, we, they kicked a tying 50 um, yard field goal with like less than 20 seconds left in the game. And, and then our, our offense uh, took a deep shot down with, uh, with Tannehill our quarterback and AJ Brown, our pro bowl receiver caught it at like the, I don't know, the 19 yard line. That's where we, you know, ended up kicking our field goal. And um, yeah, with, with uh, less than 20 seconds, we were able to get in field goal position. And so we went out there for the, 
for the game winning kick. And of course they, they iced the kicker with the timeout and, but we still snapped, snapped it and he kicked it and he made it. So that was good. A little, little confidence booster. Um, but then we go again and, and sure enough, um, you know, the stat felt good. You know, I, uh, I, I, I could see the trajectory of the ball when I lifted my head up and it was, it was looking like it was going to be good. So I celebrated early. Like I, 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 I was celebrating. I turned around to go celebrate with him. But then like, there was just like this eerie silence. Like I didn't realize that it was going to doink off the, the upright. And I, I saw the reaction and I was like, what? I could have swore that ball was going in. And then it was like just that delayed, uh, delayed reaction waiting for the, the referees to get the signal that was good. And then we just had an awesome celebration with everybody running on the field. So it was, that was, uh, I mean, I've been a part of some pretty big kicks with Vinatieri in the past, um, but this one was pretty significant in the fact that it was for a championship. Um, it was to send us, you know, we had a good chance of making it to playoffs if we didn't win that game, but the fact that we were able to host a home game is, is pretty pretty meaningful. Um, and just being a part of a, of a play that helps your team win is always special. So, you know, as a specialist, you know, we, you know we, we're not on the field terribly too much, but you know, these are the, the types of plays that you dream and prepare for. You've been front and center uh, for a lot of this year watching uh, Derrick Henry and his special season. Talk a little bit about the 2,000-yard rusher, um, MVP candidate with, you know, there's a lot of good NFL football players, but he's right up there. What's it been like to watch him just be a – to do his job and be professional and to see one of, one of those performances uh, in person? I know you've seen a lot, like I said, 109 games in the NFL, but what's it been like to watch him do his thing every Sunday? I mean, he's just, he's just special um, in a, in a passing league. Um, it's pretty, I mean, nowadays it's really, you don't have the Walter Paytons, you don't have the, the Barry Sanders, you don't have those guys anymore because you know, the, not to say that the run game isn't important, but it's just a passing league. I mean, we see quarterbacks passing over 5,000 yards of, you know, it's pretty common now, um, you know, but for somebody to, to rush and, and to carry the ball, 350 times and, you know, stay healthy and, and do it consistently. It's been pretty incredible to watch. And, you know, again, I've been on the other end where I'm on the other team, you know, most memorable is really when I was on the Jaguars and we were playing the Titans and, you know, you see the highlights of him stiff arming, you know, three or four guys breaking a 98 yard run. Um, you know, and I was on the sideline watching that, like, gosh, I can't believe that guy literally just did that to half our defense, you know, and then to see him doing it, you know, on his team, I mean, it's cool because it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, he may he may only gain a yard or two here and there, but like you just you have that confidence like, all right, you, as, as long as you keep giving the ball and the offensive line just keeps doing what they're doing, he's going to break one eventually. And it's 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 been proven and it's it's pretty incredible. Um, and he does it with so much humility. Um, he's not a flashy guy. He works his butt off. You know, and it's it was pretty cool to see, you know, I know in the game over Sunday, you know, we he had a fumble that, you know, really gave the momentum to the Texans um, and he doesn't fumble very often, you know. Um, and in the same game, he rushed for over 2000 yards and broke that record and whatnot and um, rushed for like 250 yards and, you know, celebrating in the locker room. He was pretty upset that he let his team down with that fumble. Um when he could be celebrating, you know, the accolades of breaking 2000 yards, which is, I think he's the eighth player in history to ever do that. Um, but it just, it just, it, it goes to show like how much it means to him. Um, 
and uh, it, it was pretty cool. And like I said, he, he, he plays with a lot of humility, um, works hard every day. He's, he never skips anything. And again, to be a running back in the NFL and to stay healthy and to run the ball as much as he does, um, it's, it's pretty incredible to watch. And um, it, it's, it just, it's, a, it's a potent weapon to have going into the, uh, uh, the postseason. Um, and, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's really cool to see, um, you know, him just continue to dominate games. Yeah. Well, we look forward to watching you guys on uh, Sunday. Big game. We'll be watching out here on the West Coast. We're going to pivot a little bit. And I just want to kind of talk to you about some of the, some of the things that I found out about you and getting to know you. I came to Western um, a few years ago and talked to some of our student athletes. And one of the things that I remember most about you is how much of a self-starter you are and how much of a motivator you are. And, um, and you talked about kind of putting YouTube videos out um, on snapping, but also that you're more than just a football player. You're a man of faith. Um, you know, you've had a lot of success with some, some, some community activities that you've sponsored. Um, you're a successful business person and a realtor, I believe, and you're a husband and a, a soon to be father. Yeah. What, what, you know, that's a, that's a long list of amazing things. What, what makes Matt so successful? I'm going to say it, successful in those in so many different areas. Um, an NFL football player alone is amazing. Um, but one of the things you're just, you're so well-rounded. What, what goes into that to make Matt so successful? I mean, really, I just think it, you know, you kind of touched on a little bit, but my faith has always been, something I always leaned on um, just trusting in a greater plan than I could ever have myself. And, you know, it you know, stems from my family and, and my grandfather, which is pretty much the reason why I came to Western. Um, so he was the head football coach at Puget Sound for, you know, over 20 years. And so my, uh, and he played at university of Washington. And uh, so my, you know, being, I, you know, born and raised in California, but I, I spent every summer, up on Vashon Island near Seattle. And, and um, I, I bled purple and gold forever. And then when my grandfather got sick of UW football, we, we were Cougar fans. And, you know, especially when Mike Price was there and uh, because my grandfather coached at U UPS with Mike Price. And then I would go to the Cougar camps every summer. And my, I mean, honestly, my, my dream at the time was either Notre Dame, UW, or Wazoo. Um, and then I remember – you know, when I was in junior college looking for an opportunity, I had an opportunity to walk on at Wazoo, but my grandfather knew Rob Smith at the time because when my grandfather was coaching at UPS, he tried to recruit Rob to come to UPS and, you know, Rob went to UW. But um, so he called Rob and said, hey, my grandson, you know, is a long snapper, DN, linebacker, wants to come check out the, the, um, the, the campus and the program. And at the time I had – two friend, two, two teammates at my junior college the year before transfer to Western. And so I kind of had, you know, some, some familiar faces to, to talk about the, the program with. And so I went on a, an unofficial visit one time just to see the campus and honestly just fell in love with uh, everything that Bellingham had to offer. And then I just felt right at home with my connection with my grandfather and, and coach Smith and, you know, the guys that I knew from my junior college. And it just felt like, the right opportunity for me, even though I had aspirations to go division one and whatnot. But I think really I learned a lot of, you know, I mean, it, division two, it, it's a, it's a, it's not a glamorous thing by any means because it's a, uh, you know, the, the athletics are, they are competitive, but you know, when you have aspirations to go beyond that um, 
you know, the, the odds are always stacked against you just because you're a division two player. You're not, you're not division one and, you know, you were overlooked or you weren't big enough or fast enough or whatever the case may be. And so, um, you know, I, I knew from the get go, you know, I, I um, my dream was always to make it to the NFL. And, and I, I think I, I pride myself on being a division two athlete and a junior college athlete. And I've learned a lot from, you know, those phases of my life. And, um, and I really, when I look back at, if it wasn't for Mike Kanan, you know, coming out of Western as an all American and who knows if I would have gotten an opportunity because it really was him that gave me um, a little bit of hope and, um, and, and put me in a position where you know, I helped him work out for his pre-draft workout on campus. And so, um, and that got my name on the radar, but um, I, I think it just comes from, you know, my, you know, I, I was, you know, my parents were divorced. So I, I was uh, living with my, my mom for most of my life. He has a single parent, seeing her hard work and dedication. Uh, my dad's a police officer, seeing his hard work and dedication in his craft. Um, my grandfather as a, as a college football coach and, and just having good mentors uh, in my life and, and great supporters. And, um, you know, and then when I got to Western, just having really, I had a, I had some great coaches that believed in my ability and believed in my dreams and, and, um, you know, I was, I was able to, you know, get some opportunities and, and, you know, take advantage of them. But, you know, at the end of the day, when, when I first came out of Western and, and had my first taste of NFL, you know, I got, I got cut pretty quickly, you know, the, the acronym, you know, not for long, you know, that's stands true for a lot of people. And that was me. And, and, uh, I just never gave up, you know, and I, I just tell a lot of guys that are in my position, um, coming out of school, like, you know there's, you know, especially coming from a small school, like, you know, the odds are going to be stacked against you, but you know, there's no right or wrong way to get to where you want to go. And sometimes you just got to take the long way road around the mountain, you know, and um, just take advantage of every opportunity that, that comes, you know, but, you know, I, I just had to learn, you know, if, if, if I didn't believe in myself, then nobody else would. So I just had to believe in myself, continue to keep working. And in the meantime, you know, I, I was, you know, fortunate enough to, um, you know, get my foot in the door and, and just keep plugging the right way and, and uh, never take a no for an answer. So that, you know, what you say about the YouTube thing, like I was honestly posting my, <laughs> my snapping videos on YouTube as much as I can and emailing them to as many scouts and coaches as I could find. And um, I, w I was, uh, I was, uh, I was pesty and, and persistent, I guess you can say, and, and it, it paid off in many ways, but, um, and then just to, I, I just, I guess I have just taken that mentality into whatever I've tried to do, whether it's, um, you know, cre creating like a, a youth foundation or, you know, now into real estate and, and, you know, kind of setting myself up for what life looks like post-career, you know, being a husband, being a, being a dad soon, like just having that uh, hard work mentality and, and dedication and, you know, keeping my faith at the forefront at, at all times, you know, so, um, you know, I like to share my story because it's, it's, a, it's different, um, it's unique and, and, you know, I, I like to, like I said, I like, I, I like to say that I've come from a, a smaller school and um, where, you know, it's not, uh, it's not common for, you know, guys to, you know, make it to the NFL from division two. So I, I pride myself on being a Vike and, and uh, you know, hope, hope my story can inspire not just football players, but, you know, anybody that plays basketball or volleyball or whatever it may be, you know. Yeah. But you, you shared a lot of that with some of the student athletes when you're back on campus. And I know I enjoyed that. And, um, you know, looking back on it, you're a pro bowler. Like I said before, you played over 100 football games in the NFL. It's amazing. You kick, you know, you were the long snapper for probably one of the best kickers of all time, Adam Vinatieri. 
you're going to the playoffs again now this year with the Titans. Some of this seem a little bit like a dream. Uh, you, you mentioned that, you know, that your, your, your dream was maybe to go to Wazoo or, or, or uh, UW or, or something like that. And now, you know, you're 109 games into an NFL career and you're a success in so many areas. A little bit kind of seem like a little bit of a dream sometimes. You got to pinch yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of relate this season to, you know, one of my first or early years with the Colts because, you know, like coming into the Colts as a rookie and and snapping for, you know, future Hall of Famer Adam Vinatieri um, was a little daunting at first just because it was, you know, is you know, he had such a high standard and, you know, I knew that my game and, and my ability, you know, had to had to rise too. And, you know, it's like I don't want to screw up a snap for, for the best kicker of all time, you know? So that pressure was, was heavy on me early on, but you know, I learned from him early, just like you just trust your hard work and you, you, you really don't, you don't add any more pressure that you, you know, cause the game itself already brings a lot of pressure. So, you know, you just have to, you just find a way to um, just trust your technique, trust your skills and ability. And when you go out there, it's just like second nature. It's like riding a bike. Cause we do, we do so many reps that it, it really just becomes natural. Um, and, when, and when you do have a bad play, you just, you find the way to, to fight through mentally and, and get back on track, you know, and you forget about it, you know? And so, you know, that was, it was special because, you know, I just remember being at home in high school, watching Vinatieri kicking game winning kicks in the Super Bowl, And then here I come, you know, several years later and, and now I'm playing with them, you know? So there was definitely moments early in my career where I, I had to pinch myself. And I think this year I, I kind of tell my wife this, you know, pretty often, like, I just feel like uh, this year has been really special because, you know, I could have ended up anywhere and lo and behold, you know, God presented with the opportunity with the Titans where I didn't have to leave home. I didn't have to leave my wife. I don't have to, you know, because it, it does get, it does get hard on relationships and in your family and, um, especially this year where, you know, with COVID and stuff, a lot of guys are living away from families. A lot of coaches are living with from families. And so um, we're just so blessed to be here in Nashville where, where we call home now and playing for the Titans and, you know, going back to the playoffs. So this year in particular, I, I found myself pinching myself because it, it does seem a little surreal that, um, you know, back on a, on a winning team um, playing for my home team now and, and, going into the playoffs. So it, it truly is special. Remember the Vikings 2005, 2006, you got any special memories of Bellingham and playing for coach Smith and anything that you want to share? I mean, we're going to get to a question in a little bit here on, you know, how the football team um, unfortunately was shut down, but uh, tell us a little bit about some of your favorite memories of being a Viking and going to battle with your teammates and maybe the favorite spot on campus that sticks out in your mind. Yeah, like I said, man, um, the moment I stepped foot on Western's campus, uh, my first time visiting Bellingham, I mean, the place is just beautiful, right? And so I just fell in love with it. Um, and, it, you know, it's a, it, for the most part, it's a pretty big school. It, does, it just doesn't feel like it. It just feels very, very comfortable. You can get, you can find your way around pretty easily, you know, so I think naturally when I got to Western, you know, for my first spring semester, like it was just, I gravitated to Red Square and that's where everyone kind of congregated before they dispersed the class or I might Carver a lot. Um, I know the landscape of the, of the campus has changed quite a bit since I was there, but for the most part, I think, uh, you know, it just, it just felt very natural to me, very, very welcoming. Um, 
And so some of my fondest memories really honestly are just obviously are related to football, but um, you know, I, I, I enjoyed my days at Padden, um, went to Padden quite a bit, um, you know, did, uh, we did down like the Fairhaven a lot. Um, I, 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 I'm pretty upset because I never, I never did, made it to Mount Baker. And I know that's a, a huge thing. I never made it up there, which is weird because I grew up like snowboarding and skiing and just never made my way up there. Um, but going to Canada for the first time, I remember just going up there quite a bit and all that kind of stuff. And I, you know, I was 19 at the time. And I think, you know, I think the, the legal drinking age was 19 for up in Canada. So we, we made our way up there a couple of times, but I mean, just the friendships I made, and I still have a lot of friends to this day, um, Junior Amavai um, in particular, he lives in Indiana too. So it's crazy when I moved to Indy that I had a, a Viking alum with me right there in Indianapolis, who, who was a good friend at the time when, when we played. Um, and I have a very fond memories of Coach Smith and, you know, the battle in Seattle, which was really cool because, you know, it's in Seahawks Stadium, it's against Central and, and, I never, I never beat Central, which is, which is uh, something that still stings. But um, played in some really cool games. Um, and then when Coach Ross, Robin Ross, came and we went to the NCC for a year, that was a lot of fun playing some um, top tier Division two football and traveling in North Dakota and you know St. Cloud and all that kind of stuff. So that, that was that was really cool. But you know, just it, I think the coolest thing really is is seeing what you know some of my former teammates are doing now. Um, Pat McCann is wide receiver coach at Eastern Washington, doing a, doing a great job. I still stay in touch with uh, Leigh Suanoa, who's at Oregon State, and Kefense Henson, who's at Oregon State. Um, I still talk to Robin Ross. I still talk to Eric Tripp. I think he might be still at Ferndale as the uh, principal or the athletic director. Um, Rob Smith occasionally. But it, it's just cool to see what guys are doing nowadays. Um, and and uh keeping keeping in touch through through facebook or something like that but i mean, I mean the, the the memories of of my time at western are, are incredible and it's a special place and every time i visit you know the pacific northwest i try to make a point to go to campus just because it it really was a special time for me and um you know I, my, my family still enjoys going there when they can and they loved coming up to games and visiting and um i mean it, it's just i i can't speak uh, highly enough about Bellingham and, and what Western did for me. You know, I, I, I didn't want to not ask this question because it, it is a big part of who you are, but you know, it's unfortunate that Western cut the football program after the 2008 season. You know, I, I was not here um, at the time, but I, the stories I hear is that the, the people that have been part of that athletic department for so long, the Paul Madison, the Steve Cards, the Steve Brummels, um, Linda Goodrich, it was a, it was a really tough time to go through. There was decisions that were made above them. Um, but there's a strong group of alumni. And I know there's a strong group of alumni that, um, that believe that football is so important to, to what made them who they are. Um, so I wanted to give you a chance to kind of talk about that. You know, Jason Stiles has, has talked about it, a Hall of Famer of ours. Um, but I feel like it's appropriate to give you a chance to kind of say what Western football meant to you and what that decision um, you know, how that affected you um, because, you know, it, it is a big part of who you are. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I just kind of echo what a lot of guys say. It was, uh, it was tough. It was very unfortunate how things uh, got handled and how it went down. And, you know, I feel for the guys that were there um, during that time or, 
you know, either they had a transfer. I know Junior was one of those guys who ended up transferring to Minnesota State. Um, and I talked to, um, you know, other guys that, you know, had to go to other schools and, and whatnot. And, and or some guys just honestly just that was the last time they ever played football. They just stayed at Western and, and they finished their their academics there and they got their degree and, and that was it. You know, um, I think the, the biggest the biggest thing that I feel um, that's unfortunate, just um, it, it's beyond it's beyond the sport itself. It's just um, a, a sport like football just brings um, so many different uh, people together um, for a common goal. And that's just the, to win games and become a team. And and, you know, football, it, it and especially at the college level, it, it's it's a it's a big number. You know, it's like 80 to 90 to 100 guys. Uh, not including staff and coaches and stuff. And it, it's a big operation. Um, in the midst of that, you create so many different, so you bring a lot of different people from all different walks of life together. And that's what athletics in general really is. Um, it's just football is just on a kind of a bigger scale because you have so many more more people involved. But, um, you know, I just think it was just, an, you know, it's one of those things where I think Western football was, was kind of on the rise, uh, you know, with the success and winning games. And it's tough already as it was because when I was there we had the round robin schedule playing central and western Oregon and Humboldt State twice a year and and you know it's just it, I think if if western Washington was in the midwest where division two football is is pretty big it would it would still be thriving and it'd still be it'd still be there today but for whatever reason the west coast um you know has really decimated division two sports you know and it's it's hard and it makes travel hard it makes you know, opportunities for kids, they end up going elsewhere just because there are no other, you know, outlets. And, you know, my, my dad's college, you know, Cal State Hayward no longer has football. And, you know, back in the 70s, you know, 80s and 90s, you know, Division two football in, in California was was big time. I mean, it just like the JUCO um, thing now. And so it, it is sad to see, you know, um, and I'm sure Central Washington, they still struggle trying to schedule games, you know, and you know, I, I, I do I do wish and I still hope that, you know, football comes back to Western's campus because it's it's a great tradition. And there's a lot of rich history with Western football and and a lot of people that care about it. And um, I, I think that, you know, and the cool the thing is, there's a lot of really good talent in Whatcom County, you know, coming out of Ferndale and those schools and in Bellingham. And, and I think, you know, Western could have a, a, a really good team um, just with local talent and, you know, guys coming from other states and transferring. And again, once, once you get a, a somebody from out of state on Western's campus, I think it's pretty hard to beat um, when you com when you uh, compare it to like Ellensburg or some of those other schools, right? I mean, Bellingham, Bellingham's got some cool things to offer, right? And and I think Western um, could be extremely successful because it's a great academic school um, and it's just a it's a very cool place to live. Um, so my, I'm I'm hopeful, you know. It, it again, it, I have a lot of pride, you know being the only Western guy in the league right now. And, and it, it was really cool to kind of be on that short list of uh, Vikings who've made it. Um, and so, uh, you know, early on, I was a little bitter and a little upset, but, you know, as time goes on, you know, I, I, I've sat down with uh, uh, Card a lot and, and I've had those discussions with him. And, you know, I still try to, you know, let bygones be good bygones. You know, I'm still a Viking um, regardless of whether football is there or not, you know, uh, because my, I have so many great memories beyond football there at that campus. And, you know, I am proud to be the bike because it, it provided me with an opportunity, got my uh, degree from there. Um, and for the three years that I was there, it, it means a lot to me. So, um, 
you know, it, it, I think for me, I would miss, I miss the, the, the fact that we could all get together and go to a game and you can gather the alumni and, and reconnect and that kind of stuff. But um, maybe one day it'll come back. Who knows? You know, there's uh, crazy things that happen. And um, I don't think it's far fetched to believe that it's a possibility down the road that it could happen. So, um, and again, if there is ever an opportunity to support a great cause and moving forward, I'll be there in the forefront with those guys and the, uh, the Valhalla, Valhalla boys and, and uh, uh, help bring, bring football back to Western. Well, you're always so supportive, um, especially on social media of all of our programs and, um, I know I appreciate it since I run a lot of those channels, but overall, I, I, I see a lot of our student athletes also see it and we're very, very proud of you. Um, you. and we're just, we're blessed to know you. Um, it's been really cool to just follow your career and to follow, you know, your posts on social media and how you're trying out for the Jack all of a sudden you're in the Jaguars locker room and you're showing your pair of cleats. There's a lot of pride that goes into that for the people that work in Carver Jim, Kevin Fenwick often talks about you. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot of good people and, and we appreciate you. So I want to say that from me and from our department, thanks for carrying the flag. Thanks for being so supportive. Um, and thanks for approaching a lot of this in such a great way, right? Positivity and yeah. kindness matters. And, uh, and you are a torchbearer for all that. Um, I do have one last question for you though. Is how's the grass coming along at your house? <laughs> oh, geez, man. Yeah. So I, I mean, most people aren't going to know what you're talking about. But <laughs> I, that's what, that's I, the beauty of this. I always yeah. get to end on some fun off the wall yeah. questions. So I have a, I live in a, um, it's, it's kind of like a, a, a townhome duplex. So I have a neighbor next to me that we share like a wall. Right. But we, we both have, you know, our own little front yard parcel and, and uh, here in Tennessee, they don't, they don't have irrigation systems because they either, they don't need it. Um, just because of the weather is so mild and, and you get a lot of rain, you get a lot of sunshine. So um, you just plant your sod and you kind of let mother nature handle the rest. Right. So, you know, I, I, I moved down here and, you know, we, we use this place as a, a, like an Airbnb rental for most of the, most of the time that we had it. So as we're transitioning into living here full time uh, you know, I noticed my grass wasn't looking uh, quite like my neighbors because my neighbor lives here full time and he's out there like every couple days you know, doing his little uh, manicure on it and, and has his little trimmers out there. I'm like, dang, your grass looks good. And like the soil here is not really, it's really hard dirt. So it's like, you got to like take, you got to know what you're doing to, to have good grass. And so I hired a guy to come like, hey man, you need to take care of my grass. You need to reseed it, rese whatever you need to do. Let's, like I want to see to my neighbors right there that I want you to look like that. Cause mine's an embarrassment right now. And when guests come like to rent the house, like I want them to like not see this nasty dead front lawn as soon as that's the first thing they see. So we resodded it, reseeded it and it looked good for a while. And then like, I'm not kidding. Like within 24 hours, like one day it's just that like, it was just too hot or wasn't enough water or whatever. And again, you have to stay on top of it. And I didn't realize that this is a serious thing. And so we had a re, you know, we tilled it up and then reseeded it and it looks great now. Um, and so I, I, I mean, I was kind of jokingly just like sharing my uh, lawn updates on Instagram for a while there. And, and I, I mean, I got excited when I saw little, little uh, sprouts coming out of the dirt and I was like, man, this is a new day. It's a good day. I got some grass coming in and then, you know, I was watering it every, you know, twice a day and um, it looks great now. It's, I mean, it's, you know winter here now so like a lot of people's grass are 
gone dormant and dead, you know, and won't spring up until the spring, but mine's still green. So I have a lot of pride in that, man. So the lawn, the lawn update is, is pretty, pretty, uh, it, it's strong right now. Um, and, uh, it, it's looking good, man. It's awesome, man. I'm a, I'm a big lawn guy. So I follow that. And I'm like, yes, another one. It, but, it, just, uh, it, it just goes to show like when you start transitioning into like dad, like the dad mode of your life, like the things that become important to you, I think lawn is kind of up there at the forefront of your checklist. <laughs> it, it is there, but uh, man, I really enjoyed talking to you. I know Viking Nation is going to enjoy hearing from you. Um, we wish you the best of luck Thank this you, weekend in the playoffs and hopefully beyond. We'll be watching for number 47, game number 110 of your NFL yeah. career. Yeah. Um, good luck, buddy. Uh, thanks no, thank for joining you, us and go Vikings, man. Hey, go Vikes. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much.